0: Welcome back to the ENC Leadership Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody! Um, It is 2021. I don't know what mode you're in. Some people uh, I see are very um, happy about 2021, and to them, it's like uh, a fresh uh, start, a new year. For some people, it's um, just a continuation of 2020, which which seems to make more sense to me. But either way, God is in charge. God is alive. And because he is, we have hope and purpose for the future, and we can continue to live our lives and lead in whatever capacity we're being called to lead. Uh, We're going to start a kind of longish series, maybe seven or eight episodes, about uh, that's relevant, to starting the year right. And you know, when people start the year, they often have different kinds of um, resolutions and different decisions that I'm going to do this this way from now on. And I'm going to develop these good habits. I'm going to stop these bad habits from now on. Well, we're going to talk to you today about some seven or or maybe eight uh, essential leadership workouts. That's right. L- workouts that help us in our leadership. Well, uh, let me explain it this way. One good definition I read about leadership, it's definitely not complete, definitely not exhaustive, but it's a very interesting definition, was A leader knows what the right thing to do is and has the ability to do it. A leader knows what the right thing to do is and has the ability to do it. There are lots of people who can talk and say they know what the right thing to do is. Whether or not that's true remains to be seen. But there's also those people who, even though they know what the right thing to do is, they don't have the ability. When the leadership moment calls for it, when the time comes to serve, to step up, to take responsibility, it's just not in them. It's not, it's not in that character to be there. On the other hand, we also know people who maybe had been passed over, had been overlooked, people who nobody gave a, seconds, a second thought to, but then when the leadership moment came, the time to serve, the time to reach out, the time to build, they were able to do it and they rose to the top. That person had the ability to do it. They knew what the right thing to do was, but they could do it as well. So in this next series, we're going to give you seven or 8 like I said 7 or 8 different uh, workouts that you could be doing to strengthen your leadership uh, muscles all right and these workouts are going to target specific parts of your body or of your leadership body imagine if your body was if your leadership was a physical body so that you're keeping it fit you're keeping it conditioned you're keeping it strong so that when the time comes you can make the right move all right. Uh, if I continue this physical fitness analogy, it's kind of like you know the, the series we started with last year, the Leadership in Anxious Times. Leadership in Anxious Times is more about your health. That's about staying alive. That's about keeping healthy. This stuff is about conditioning and strength building. So that stuff, the Leadership in Anxious Times stuff, is your foundation. And doing that allows you to do this. Or inversely, you might discover that as you try to do these things, that uh, you you're running into difficulty. You 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 can't do it as well. You might have to start a little bit deeper, and not just with the conditioning, but see when I'm working out, what health condition is this exposing in me? You'll understand a bit more when we give you the the workout. Hopefully, when the time comes, you'll be able to do the right move. You know, you'll be able to make that call. And, and you know, I often see this that uh, you'll be in a meeting, and you'll see a, an opportunity for the leader, right, to to, to step up to win more trust and uh and, and 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 they don't take it they either collapse in their insecurity or they choose to shun people or push them away and you're like oh man that was a wasted opportunity on the other hand i've also seen this a lot of times where it, it's a, it's a difficult moment you're like how are they going to get this meet, land this conversation how are they going to win this person over and they make this move and it's it's i, I calling it a move because honestly for me it reminds me of like a, a sports highlight, you know, where they make a statement or they reach out to someone or they 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 make a, a, a transfer and they appoint someone to this role and that person shines and the team soars as a result and you're like, gosh, how did they know to do that? And more importantly, how did they know to do that? And how were they able to do that themselves? That's what we're working out in these next several episodes. You don't, when you know these moves, when you are worked out in these areas, you don't even need to have a position or title. No one needs to give you anything because if you do these things regularly as a workout, as a lifestyle, you'll be ready to answer the call to leadership when it comes. In fact, you don't even need for someone to, 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 to give it to you. You'll already be leading because you're, take, you're, you're making these, these muscles strong in your leadership body. I hope you're excited for this, all right? It it definitely um, is a lot simpler, though much more painful, I think, than physical workouts. So let's get started. For this episode, we're going to share our leadership workout number one. Our leadership workout number one is this, saying sorry and taking full responsibility for a mistake. Saying sorry and taking full responsibility for a mistake. This is one of the most powerful leadership workouts you could do, not just leadership, but just life in general, all right? Uh, This is one of the, the, the most difficult, but the simplest, and honestly, one of the most powerful things you could be doing. This targets your humility muscle and develops better security in you as a leader, which you will need. There are many leaders throughout history, throughout the world, who have the ability to be brilliant and honestly can win over people, but are surprisingly brittle and fragile when it comes to their mistakes. And that's because these are people who, despite their brilliance, despite their skill and talent, are honestly rather insecure. And that's why when they're confronted by their mistakes, uh, they they can't take it. They deflect, they pass on, they they get mad, they give insincere apologies, and because of that, they actually lose more leadership um, uh, capital. On the other hand, those people who are able to apologize and who are able to take sincere full responsibility are able to to do a lot more in the leadership moment. The leader who can say sorry and say sorry well, mind you, uh, has amazing ability. Here are some of the benefits of having a strong sorry muscle, (laughs) if you will. Uh, Number one, you can regain trust even after making a mistake. If you are good at making apologies, if you are good at this skill, You don't need to be afraid of mistakes because you know you're gonna be able to regain their trust again afterwards. Hopefully, maybe, but you have the very best chance of doing that. Number two, people who are strong at saying sorry, who have worked out this muscle, can resume the initiative even when they've blown it. What do I mean by that? You know when your team has momentum, you're like, oh, we're flowing, bam, 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 things are going well. That's a great feeling as a leader, right? You feel like, wow, I'm doing so well. And then what derails that very often? It's it's one mistake you made. You did bad. You thought your team was firing on all cylinders, and then you made an inappropriate remark, and now one of them's offended with you. And it's almost like that 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 good teamwork camaraderie is shattered. But only it is only if you don't know how to apologize for it. If you do know how to say sorry well, you can take the initiative. You don't have to wait passively. And I've seen this so many times. and I'm tempted to do this so many times. When I make a mistake, the response is to be passive and to let other people reach out to me or come back to me. No, if you know how to say sorry well, you can re- continue the initiative and still keep leading. Regain trust, resume the initiative. Number three, you can win back people you thought you've lost at least begin winning them back. This is an amazing leadership move because you can see people sustain mistakes and you're like, oh gosh, this should be over. And honestly, they come back with even deeper relationships and more trust and even higher leadership capital than before they made the error. How is that possible? Well, it's simply this, because people feel closer to you on one hand after seeing your vulnerability, but they can also trust you more because you're strong enough to apologize. So I hope I'm building your excitement for this because nobody likes to say sorry, obviously. I don't like it. I don't look forward to it. Nobody likes making mistakes. Um, But honestly, there are so, so, so many benefits to this one simple exercise. You know, if this was a YouTube video, do this every day, you know, and you'll get rock hard leadership abs. (laughs) Okay, we're getting too far with the analogy. My point is, do this and you will grow in your leadership ability. You're going to grow in, honestly, all other areas of your life, actually. But since this is a leadership podcast, let's do that, you know? So maybe that's another way, reason why you should do this. This is the leadership workout that will benefit every area of your life, saying you're sorry and taking full responsibility for the mistake. Now, like any workout, like any exercise, you only experience the benefits if you're practicing it with good form, with proper form, uh, whenever you, you work out with weights or you workouts, particularly workouts that affect your back or your knees uh, uh, or your shoulders, but especially your back. Please take care of your back. But when you do those things, um, you're always going to be cautioned uh, by people and by experts and you know, by books and, and videos that you need to use the right form. If you're not doing it correctly, um, you might think you're doing it, but you're not really getting the benefits. That's one of the problems of bad form. The other problem of bad form is that uh, you, you could actually injure yourself. You could actually hurt yourself in the process, and, and, and millions of people experience that uh, exercise-related injuries because of poor form. So same thing here. Just because you mumbled the words, I'm sorry, or you said it, or you texted it to someone, that doesn't mean you're getting these leadership benefits, these character-building benefits. No, there is a right form. to to saying you're sorry, and that's what we want to focus on for the rest of this episode. Um, And for this, I've got a couple of resources. Uh, I'm going to give one that's uh, very simple, and you can actually Google this, and I love this resource. This has helped me so much. Um, And let me just say, the way this resource is used it's kind of like checking out different individuals and saying, "Oh, what is this individual like? What is that individual like?" And this is called the language of apology, the five languages of apology. And uh, you know, we 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 may have heard, and it's rather common, the language of love, the languages of love by by Gary Chapman. It's an amazing, it's an amazing book. Talks about how your love languages could be time, or words of affirmation, or service. Or uh, physical touch, or giving gifts, those are great. I love those. Just recently, I was on vacation with some friends, and uh, it was like one o'clock, one thirty a.m. And uh, some people around the table were just obviously so sleepy, so tired, and I was wondering to myself, why aren't they getting up? You know, they. I don't know if they're absorbing the conversation, and I don't know if they're get if they're contributing. But the person said, you know what? You know, time is my love language. So this is great for me. So. Love languages are great. I love those. However, what we, what, the other side of it that people don't talk about is the languages of apology, which is a book uh, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote much later. And you can Google this, love uh, ap- languages of apology. And whenever I think of saying sorry well, I remember these languages of apology. Uh, and I think to myself, what? will resonate with the person I'm talking to. The languages of apology are simple. Number one, expressing regret. Well, let me say them all. Expressing regret, accepting responsibility, making restitution, genuinely repenting, and requesting forgiveness. Expressing regret, accepting responsibility, making restitution, genuinely repenting, and requesting for forgiveness. And the point that Dr. Gary Chapman makes in this book of these five is that the person you're apologizing to has a particular language of apology that is primary to them, that matters to them when you're giving them that apology. And it might be that their language of apology is different from your language of apology. In other words, you might be thinking, if I want someone to apologize to me, I would want them to say this, this, that. And so that's what I'll say to that other person, not realizing that the other person might want something else. I'll give you an example in my marriage. My wife's uh, language of apology, I would guess, is genuinely repenting. Genuinely repenting simply means genuinely changing. Genuinely uh, changing your behavior, never doing it again. All right? And that's her. She's just, she's a machine like that. You know, she'll, she'll realize something was wrong, never again. You know, and she's just just so disciplined in that area. She makes one mistake once, when she realizes it's wrong, okay, never again. If she doesn't change it, it's because she doesn't think it's wrong, <laughs> basically. But that's her. However, for me, my language of apology is accepting responsibility. I, you know, think of it like basketball. Somebody fouls somebody else, and I, I'm the guy who raises my hand and says, that was me foul. foul. That was my mistake. So when I apologize... I say that, I was wrong, I did this, I shouldn't have done that. I'm, I'm not as strong and genuinely repenting as my wife is, but I will take the full blame for what I did wrong. Now, you can realize how this can make some problems in our family when we have fights. Because she'll apologize to me for something, and I'm waiting for her to say, I was wrong, I did this, I did that. In her mind, she's like, yeah, that's pretty obvious. Why am I changing? Why would I change if I wasn't the one who did something wrong? But I'm waiting for her to say it. It matters that, that she says it. It matters to me that she says it. On the other hand, my wife is thinking, look, I'm showing you that I'm ap- apologizing by genuinely changing. Have I ever done it again? On the other hand, uh, she'll go do that to Joe. She'll be like, look, if you were really sorry, you would never have done it again. The point I'm making is people have different languages of apology. So when I apologize to someone, I like to add all five of these things in my statement. Express regret, I wish I never did that. Accept responsibility, that was my fault. Make restitution, is there anything I can do to make it better? Genuinely repent means just don't do it again. And then could you forgive me? The last one, requesting for forgiveness. And then in our conversation, whichever one of those five the person latches onto, if they say, for example, yeah, you really did this to me, ah, it matters to them that I take responsibility, then I'll continue the conversation along those lines. Or if they'll say, well, you could really help me by da 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 da, okay, they want me to make restitution. We could spend a long time on this. Uh and, and you know, let us know in the comments or in uh let me know at, at Campus Joe on Instagram. Um, you know, my my Instagram uh, account for this podcast. If if you wanna talk more about those five, we can. But I'm gonna move on quickly because this wasn't really uh the languages of apology. Just Google that. Languages of apology by Gary Chapman. You'll find a lot. I do wanna talk about universal uh marks of a good apology to every apology, whether or not you know, and these universal marks will actually touch on those love languages. But I think that seven marks of a good apology w- will matter, you know, w- w- regardless of where. Marital, leadership, team, classmate, family member. These are good. And this is based on a blog that I read. I was researching marks of a good apology. I had my own list. And then I saw this, this blog post uh, and I thought, man, this has everything I wanted to say and more, and it's it's going to be in the show notes on ENC Leaders, and you can just Google it, uh, Seven Marks of a Good Apology by Brad Hambrick. Brad, like Brad Pitt, and Hambrick. So like two words, ham, like Christmas ham, and brick, like the way some people shoot basketballs. So Seven Marks of a Good Apology by Brad Hambrick, and he even has, I'm not going to go into the Eight Marks of a Bad Apology, but you might want, (laughs) I really recommend reading it and saying, no no wonder my apologies aren't getting the results I want. I've been doing the bad way. So seven marks of a good apology uh, uh, by Brad Hambrick. Number one, he says, address everyone involved. Address everyone involved. This is huge. Address everyone involved. And, And I would say it this way, address everyone involved appropriately. I would add that as well. Because when you apologize, there are specific people you've apologized to, and the right way to address them matters. If we don't apologize to, to, to those people directly, then our is already, it doesn't matter. And so what, what are the wrong ways to do this for leaders, right? A, a general apology when a specific one would, would have been better. Um, a public apology when a private one would have been seen as more meaningful. There's so many people, uh, uh, leadership personalities, uh, CEOs, politicians, um, celebrities who will offend someone in private and then make a public apology as if everything's hunky-dory, everything's good, but there's no evidence. And even the, the, the people that they've wronged have no evidence of them having been reached out to personally. You've got to address everyone involved. Who have you wronged? If you don't even know who you've wronged, then how can you even begin to apologize? That's one, address everyone involved, and I'm adding appropriately. Number two, avoid if, but, and maybe. Avoid if, but, and maybe. Uh, I'm sorry if I hurt you, but but you did. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Um, I'm sorry, but... You know, Brad Hambrick says, this transforms repentance into accusation. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're also doing Maybe indicates you are not convinced and you're, that your actions were wrong. And you're actually inviting them to debate with you more about it. No. Instead of, instead of saying if, but, and maybe number three, admit it specifically. Take the loss. You made a mistake. I did it. I'm so sorry. There's a powerful line in this blog where he says, One goal of repentance, one goal of apologizing, I'm saying sorry. One goal of repentance, in the name of loving your neighbor as yourself, is to make forgiveness as easy as possible. Woo! What a powerful thought. What a powerful line. That's my goal when I apologize. It's not to remove the guilty feeling. It's not to get you off my back. It's to help you forgive me as easily. Uh, to make you forgiving me as easily, as easy as it can be. Now, that's why this is a leadership move. Do you understand? If you say, I'm saying sorry because I'm forced to, then you're not serving others, you're not helping others. But when you see it this way, that you know what? My team needs to be able to forgive. And I've made it very difficult for them to forgive. Here's one way I can serve them. By apologizing to them so that they can forgive me. Because forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness requires a move of the heart. Forgiveness requires a work of the Holy Spirit. And so I can participate in that work by apologizing. Do you see the difference? Can you feel the leadership initiative even being given back to you in this moment when you see apology from that perspective? He says we do this by being detailed in our confession. He says generic confession is often a sign of insincerity. Saket. Saket, one way people say that and he puts it in the blog is we all know what happened I, I, that is a cop out response even if other people say we don't need to go there we don't need to go there you the leader should be willing to go there no, no, I was wrong. No, I don't want to shortcut this. I don't want to trivialize what happened. I don't want to act like you know, I'm very sorry that I was late in giving you these things and you had to stay late because of my mistake, because of my failure to do my job. I am so sorry for, about that. Here's why this restores your leadership. There's another quote from that paragraph in the article. Hearing that you can be specific without falling into blame-shifting or self-pity is an important indicator that you are a quote-unquote safe person and that restoration is wise. Woo! <laughs> no wonder it works. You, the leader, have made a mistake, but you can be specific without blaming anybody else, without saying, well, you know what, there's something wrong. About you? you know, you and you and you? No, no. I did wrong. I'm not having self-pity, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me when you're you're the one who's already been hurt. It's an indicator, it's a signal to your whole team that you are a safe person and that restoration is wise. I hope you're feeling excited to say sorry right now. I'm getting excited for me and even for you guys that what kind of leaders would you be? If you could make a mistake and blow it, and then your next move shows everybody else, wow, this leader is a safe person, and I would be wise to restore my relationship, my trust, and my fellowship to this person. You can do that by saying sorry well. Admit specifically. You still with me? <laughs> you still there? All right, we've got four more of these from Brad Hambrick. Number four is apologize, acknowledge the hurt. You're acknowledging that uh, the other person,, um, you know, uh, was hurt by what you did. This is not you grovelling or asking them to feel sorry for you. No, it's you expressing that you realize that other people have been hurt by your mistakes. It's not you minimizing their mistakes. It's not you saying, well, all I did was that, no, no, you that may have been all you did, but the dominoes falling have resulted in huge, potentially huge effects in other people. Here's why this is a leadership move, again, from Brad Hambrick. He says, remember, your goal in repentance is an effort to represent God more accurately to the person you have offended. God is compassionate and understanding to our hearts. So if our confession is rooted in our desire to make God known in each moment, then our confession will include evidence that we have reflected on the impact of our sin. Did you catch that? Why it's a leadership moment? Because even though you're the one who did the mistake, even though you're the one who made the wrong, you could be reflecting God to them by also being the one who empathizes and understands with their hurts. This is why repentance and a great saying sorry is a huge leadership move because you hurt them but you can also be one of the agents for the beginning of their healing. Let me give an example of this. Uh, um, When I say that you can actually come out with better relational capital, better leadership capital. But I remember one time, I was the new uh, head of our campus ministry. This was maybe 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And uh, we were having a meeting and, you know, the, the, I had lost control of this meeting already weeks beforehand. It was off target. We were discussing things that were not relevant. Uh, we were t- talking more about the title of the series of, of Campus Ministry or the poster. And we weren't talking about, um, you know, we weren't talking about uh, really th- the message itself or what young people were going through. We spent more time arguing about that. And when I say arguing, it was ugly arguing it was ah stop that you know like like really jeering at one another and there was this one week uh it was early in february and uh, this is probably 2010 early in february 2010 we were discussing this this title poster option and i was convinced that one of the titles and posters was clearly from god inspired by the holy spirit and the other title and poster was clearly demonic and of the devil and so I campaigned uh, with all of the fervor, you know, of a crusade, you know, like, oh, I'm doing the right thing and all of you are wrong. And I thought we had the majority, but when the voting happened, more people voted for the other demonic title than voted for, for my title. Uh, not the one I suggested, but the one I liked. And I was so bothered. I was like, oh gosh, this is, what a horrible team I have. What, a, and, and, and I began to worry. This is where the leading and anxious times, the, 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 sinful unbelief was in me, that all of my faith was on the title, you know? And so I began to think evil thoughts about my team and thought, gosh, these campus directors are so incompetent. Don't even think with the spirit, you know? And I was was so mad. And so I ended the meeting by saying, okay, then this is a terrible meeting. Um, I'm so disappointed in how we've done things. And I'm really sorry for the next generation if this is the quality of pastors that they will have. See you all next week. (laughs) Talk about an arrogant, you know, thing And so I I, I walked upstairs And I was so angry at them And I'll always appreciate my friend Carlos Antonio for this He leads our comms in every nation globally And uh, I said, Carlos, can you believe this? At that time, he was still in the Philippines I said, can you believe this? Our our campus directors want this poster And this title And I want this poster and this title And uh, Carlos said uh, Joseph, how long is this series going to last? And I said, three weeks. And then he said, okay, and how long do you plan to walk with these men? For the rest of my life. And then he just kept quiet. And I stood up and stormed out of his office and I said, I hate you for not siding with me. <laughs> I walked out, then I, I came back and I said, Carlos, you're right, I was wrong. Sorry about that, and thank you for correcting me. And so, I, you know, I apologized to them. I still remember the time and the date because I know what month of the year it was and I know what year it was because I remember where we lived. We lived very far away. So all the way on the ride home for the first 15 minutes, I just reflected on what I did first. What was so bad about what I did? I was arrogant. I was judgmental. I was looking down. I was belittling their decisions. I was acting like my considerations were valid and their considerations were, were coming from a place of sinfulness or weakness. And then address everyone involved. I made a note of, of uh, three specific people who I felt that I had hurt more deeply, or had offended more, or or at least I had targeted, you know, more directly. And I called them all on that way home, and I apologized. No ifs, buts, maybe's. Admitting specifically, guys, I was arrogant. Guys, that was wrong. Guys, I was you know, I, I was judgmental. This isn't about the poster. I trust you. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that I'm, I'm making it harder for, for you guys to work together because I'm the one who's being difficult. I apologize for the hurt. After calling those people, uh, they were very gracious. They were, oh, it's okay, you probably are just stressed and all that. The next week, we had our meeting. I was going to face the rest of them again, even the ones who voted for, 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 for what I wanted. And as I was preparing to make a general apology just to everybody else in the room after having called the individual one specifically before i could speak up one of them stopped me and said hey guys before we start the meeting can we just say we are so thankful for joe for leading us aren't we aren't we yeah And, and they all started clapping and they said joe thank you for leading us it can't be easy we are difficult people to work with but man you you are really doing your best you know and we really appreciate you and then I said thank you guys. And then I said my general apology to the rest of the group. I remember leaving that meeting thinking, huh. I I didn't I thought this was a a net negative. You know that we were lower than where we were supposed to be, but we actually ended up one week later higher in our relationship, because we were exposing our vulnerabilities to each other and also showing that we could we could handle it. We don't get into self-pity or blame-shifting. This is why saying sorry is such a powerful leadership move. Last three things from Brad Hambrick. So number one, address everyone involved. I'm adding appropriately. Avoid if, but, and maybe. Admit specifically. Apologize, acknowledge the hurt. Number five, accept the consequence. Accept the consequence. If our repentance and confession are sincere, Brad Hambrick says, then the need for consequences as punishment is absent. What he's saying here is we don't need to to take it and say, okay, now you punish me. No, no, what we're saying is it's a rational, if you want to respond that way, I understand. I understand. You're not doing this a favor for them. You're not saying, okay, I will do this for you because of what I did. No, because that sounds like you can buy their, are their, their, their healing, or you can buy their forgiveness. You don't know that that might be a mistake, you know, because if you do that and they're like, no, it's going to cost you more than that, then you've just shown how little, you know, them keeping in repentance is saying, I see my need to change. You can even say, I understand if you blank, I understand if you don't want to serve on this team. I understand if you, if you want to, I understand if you're angry with me, you're accepting the consequence. Number six, super important, alter your behavior. (laughs) I mean, nothing undoes a brilliantly stated apology more than a, a blatant repeat, you know? And number seven, ask for forgiveness and allow time. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It's a different question. And you don't need to wait for an instant response. By saying, look, I I understand if you want to take your time. That's part of the consequence, uh, number five. All of these are forms of the right form to saying sorry. I highly recommend going to that link. It's in the show notes, the eight marks of a bad apology. It includes some stuff I've mentioned already like blame shifting and minimizing other people. But the point is this is a powerful, super-duper powerful leadership tool. If you can do this, you are going to be amazing. In your leadership, you will be able to bounce back from so many negative uh, mistakes that you'll make. In fact, you'll be able to not just bounce back to where you were, bounce back higher. So, why don't we try this work out today? Take some time after this podcast. Sit down and think, is there any pending apologies I need to make? Maybe you've done something wrong and you you you've never gone back to it. Maybe you're the kind of person who just likes to. This is a very Filipino thing, by the way, who just likes to let it just drift away. You know, just be quiet and oh never never talk about it. It's time to address the people involved specifically. Get specific about it and watch as that leadership capital grows. One other marker I'm gonna make before we end. You're gonna not like this. Okay, it's gonna hurt. All right. Just like working out hurts, you know, like certain muscles hurt. You know, when I I went ice skating with with my son uh, like a, a year ago, 15 months ago, muscles were aching that I never knew existed because I'd never worked them out before. That's a good thing. That's your pride being killed, okay? That's a good thing. It's good for that to die. That's your humility and your security getting stronger. Guess what? You work this out, it's going to get easier and easier and easier. And just like other muscles that are well-developed, you're going to be able to execute this move rightly from the right heart when the situation calls for it. So what are you waiting for? Go say sorry to someone today. Well, that's it for the ENC Leadership Podcast. Uh, You can see the show notes on encleaders.ph and if you want to catch me, Joe, and talk to me more about this specifically, just message me at at joe on Instagram. Be back with you next week with another powerful workout that will develop your leadership. See you.